It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He's got so many things like little figurines and stuff. They're actually hanging from the ceiling and they're, they're, they're stuck on upside down. And it's everywhere. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's actually intimidating. Yeah. He's lost all the room. He had to hang stuff. From and the he's ceiling. got a girlfriend yeah. <laughs> who deals with it. Somehow, <laughs> Figure right? that out. How does that work? <laughs> You're going to get rid of that stuff, aren't you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Um, so how long you guys been doing this and why did you start doing, doing it? it? Work. He was, he, yeah, he was out of work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. And I didn't, I, I was not a podcast guy. I didn't listen to podcasts. Wasn't, it wasn't even that. I was, I was, uh, I had just done one. <clears throat> Some guys came over to my house and just recorded it on my porch. He sat around drinking tequila, talking movies. And I knew this, but I hadn't experienced it, how easy it is mm. to do a podcast and fun. And, and I said to Joe, cause he does trailers from hell that we both work on. I was like, you need to do a podcast and someone had convinced Joe that it was this huge complicated process and you needed a well maybe it was Eliana because she kept saying well you know it's really hard I have to do a lot of work because I gotta I gotta read about the people who are coming and I gotta ask them questions and so we said we didn't want to do any of that we wanted people to come and talk about stuff that was not their career right that was not the same interview they do all the time that was like this is why I'm in the movies this is why I'm in the movies because of what I saw and I and, and we found I think from the reaction to the show that that actually does uh, hit a nerve with people because they yeah. they, they they find it yeah. they can really relate to that a lot right. more easy than uh, you know yeah. well I did some summer stock and you know right, I, right, it, right. it's uh, yeah. so it, it was a good choice but it's it was a, it was a great uh, way coming in. up on fifty. And ha- fifty shows, We're almost on fifty. And, yeah. But how did you guys? How did you hook up with Joe oh, for been, for this? Well, uh, I've been doing stuff on Trailers from Hell, his website for yeah, a, God, long a long time. Commentaries oh, on years. trailers. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, but it really was. It's, it's and it's not my fault. I I said you should do a podcast, and then a friend of mine came by and sort of explained to Joe that any idiot into a podcast and then Joe emailed me and goes we're going to do it and you're going to be the idiot who hosts it and he wasn't even as far as I could tell he was like I think I'll come to the first one just to make sure you don't fuck it up and for the first 10 or 11 we weren't even supposed to mention him like I might come came to all of them except one and now yeah yeah because it's, uh, you it's know. Once you f- figured out how that it well, once I, it's, I, it's a kibitzing. I just kibitz. Yeah. He doesn't even he doesn't even let me know what the subject. Oh, is he that lets right? me know who the person is, right? But he never says what oh, really? we're going to talk right? about. I keep Which, waiting for someone to come in and go like, "Yeah, new wave Chechenian films from the '50s," and have Joe completely flummoxed. Because so, it would be nice to be able to do a little bit of research, like just right. remind myself the names yeah. of these people, you know? Yeah, but you don't want to do any research. Instead, we'll we, email you next time. I thought you enjoyed it. I didn't know. I was well, I mean, it's, it's fun. <laughs> it, 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 it's fun <laughs> to have a surprise. <laughs> but you know, if it is Chechenian films, that's that's not a good surprise for me. 
seen enough of them. I keep waiting for that one where we both just sort of sit there and go, explain to us why what you like that? these movies we've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we had people doing sexploitation. We had people doing porno. I mean, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. really? So have you, no, to- one, have you told Joe what our subject is yet? No. No, my point. We're going to wait till we start recording to figure it out. Oh, no, we've been recording. No, that's the show. It's almost over. Yeah, the show's almost done. And and you guys edit this later? He edits yeah. it. Oh, good. Good, good, good. And he puts in music, and if you nice. say bad so things, he like, takes it out. You know, I feel like we can talk about anything. And you can talk about anything you want. And go off on no, weird weird side tangents that you can. better. We're going to run music here to introduce, don't worry. But is there anything, I want to ask you before, and I did, but is there anything, I've got sort of my, my introduction, but is there anything you want me particularly to like hype or, I mean, it's. Oh, hype, uh, not, uh, yeah. not really. I mean, oh. uh, I don't know. How, when is this going to air? Well, usually Whatever. when we started, it would be weeks. like a month after right, we right, did right. it. But now no, it's, it's usually one, just a couple of weeks. It's going to be a couple of weeks. Um, one of the, oh yeah, uh, um, I got a, my movie, uh, Crown Vic got into the Tribeca Film Festival, but that's oh, nice. at the end of, um, this month. So it probably won't, won't matter. So we're not hyping it for No, I guess not. But it will right, have right, been, right. it will have been at the Tribeca Film Festival. It will have been, right. yeah, that's the, that's the other thing too. <laughs> it was well received at the Tribeca <laughs> Film Festival. It. Yeah, that's great. I'm doing these sort of early and then sitting there, yeah. you know, you get to make these, I get to listen to them when I'm editing them and I'm like, the Mueller report's going to bring them down. I absolutely Oh, shit. Um, he has a good it, voice it for might it. Yet. Uh, you have a good voice for it. Oh, that, we're putting, we're leaving that part. Yeah, in. you better. Because uh, the, the joy of not having, you know, I literally didn't. I'm happy to do it, and I love doing it. But I did not go. You know, I was like, Joe, you should do this. And he threw me in here. I am not yeah, at uh, all right. And uh, uh, people people complain. We get complaints about, <laughs> complain. about his voice. I can't Not about what him. he says, but he mumbles. I'm getting oh, he's he too mumbled, far from yeah. the mic or he's too close to the mic. Yeah. 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 Well, he's learning, though. Uh, after 50. After 50. You think. sort of And by the way, am I okay here? Is this close enough for me? Okay, good. Right. Yeah, we were, we were just uh, mess around. Yeah, some some guests we have to sort of crack the whip on, and I was like, I, I'm guessing this guy yeah. knows how to talk, yeah, sure, but talk into a microphone. Feel free to tell if I, you know, because I don't know, I get carried away sometimes too. So. This is the movies that made me with your hosts Josh Olson and Joe Dante. excited here we've got a, a guest whose work i was trying to remember you're just one of those guys who like you know about the fifth time i saw you in something i was was like ah, i've been seeing this guy forever <laughs> um oh, but i mean nice you know stuff thing. like boogie nights and and uh um i mean you were just sort of like, i feel like you were always around like i i feel like if i hovering t- on the fringes <laughs> I, I feel like i turn on some old bogey film and there you'd be in the background like, <laughs> a, young, a, a young you but i just want to throw you um um I mean, everyone knows our guest, Thomas Jane. Uh, we're very, very, very happy to have you here. Um, uh, sort of apropos of the kind of movies I like, and I think the kind of films we're going to talk about, um, uh, not only have you done, you know, The Punisher and The Mist, uh, star of the HBO series Hung, um, the, the recent The Predator, written, co-written by Fred Decker, 
uh, mm-hmm. guest on the show. Fred's um, great. And Fred, uh, uh, one of the stars of The Expanse on the Sci-Fi Network. Mm-hmm. But Stander, mm-hmm. I love Stander. Right Stander on. Stander was wonderful. wonderful Thank wonderful. you. Yeah, true Very story. Uh, we rewrote the script when once we got to South Africa because... Um, the real story was so much cooler than the, you know, what they had sort of filled in. But we interviewed guards, and they said, "No, no, no, this is how they really broke out," which we ended up filming. You know, it was it was a really neat experience. Ed. Nice, it's a terrific film. I feel like it didn't get the the, the mm. kind of because everybody talks in a South African accent. That's why. Yeah. And because well, it's disconcerting uh, when you think you're seeing a foreign film with yeah, Americans. And I turned it down at first. I was like, but nobody wants to see a movie with everybody has a South African accent. And I was right. <laughs> <laughs> it's nonetheless a terrific film. And, and it does kind of tie into some of the stuff. You're right. And I forgot, yeah, especially when we talk prison break. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I reached out to, uh, to Thomas to come on the show. And um, uh, you're the greatest idea. No one, no one's done this yet. Um, I had no idea you were a fan of this stuff, but he basically said I want to do um, great French crime films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's Joe is learning about for the first time right now. That's yeah. right. I've seen some. <laughs> Joe's seen some. A few have crossed my path. It was an excuse to go back and, and watch or rewatch a couple. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, no, great, great stuff. What, what? Um, I don't even need to ask. Me, why do you like this stuff? Right, yeah, right. It's, it's, I know because it's great. Yeah, you know? there you go. <laughs> um, I've always been a fan of uh, noir. You know that really turned me on, and it continues to turn me on. Um, and uh, so, just in your sort of path of saying what else is out there, you know, you start looking at. Eventually, you start, you know, going, hey, they made movies in other countries. You know, when, when you're American, you know, it's very interesting how, how secular we are, how closed off we are. And, and But, you know, boy, when the you open up that, that box, it's just just mind-bogglingly cool how and 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 how uh, underappreciated i think uh, these films are you know and i'm sure underseen i think uh, underseen under underknown you know there's guys out there like um well we'll talk about uh, melville jean-pierre melville i mean jesus this guy should be this every, you know, well moby dick was good posters <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who he named himself after, Mel- Melville. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, why do I like crime? I was thinking about that. Um, oh, wow. That's even better. Yeah, answer that, because I've been struggling with that question for many years. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a common thing. Like, if artists, if you ask them, like, when, what would you have done if had you not been able to be a director, actor, writer? <laughs> Very few of them say I'd be a criminal. <laughs> Producers, on the other hand. <laughs> yeah. You know, John, John Waters, um, I don't know if he still does it, for, for years and years and years, taught writing in prisons in Baltimore. And his reason, and he always seemed very sincere when he said this, is because if I had not discovered this, I would be one of these guys. That's what I, I remember, was about to say. I, was, I remember yes. reading that and just going, ah, that makes so much sense. We are outsiders, it's, you know, we are. And so that's what turns me on. It's the outsider aspect of these guys. It's the fact that they nonetheless exist outside of society. They have a very tight-knit society that they are all uh, beholden into and if you you know it's it's the quote-unquote unspoken code that's so popular uh, for us to 
think about, uh, you know, the, the uh, it, but there's a bond that these guys create, which in many ways is much stronger than the laws that we are all beholden to and are taught. Yeah, and I just think it's funny the way that you know we're brought up in this world. We're brought up to follow rules. We're literally, basically, being educated to be to be workers, you know, with an authority figure at the top of the class, and the fact that if you break the rules, you will be punished, and the meaningless work that's given to you, and the why are we doing this question that's never answered in any the most vaguest terms um, to get into a good school. Uh, the the uh, and and no real um, value on value, you know, no, no real emphasis. Uh, and that's the stuff you learn on the playground. And on the playground, you either discover that you are a rule follower on the inside and want to be liked and you have lots of friends and or you discover that you're kind of an outsider and uh, a bit of a weirdo. And that that was me as, as a kid. Um, so I've always just naturally, um, uh, loved movies about outsiders who nonetheless were, uh, created their own, um, society, you know, and the society that they created has its own rules and its own extremely tight bonds. So for me, it's, it's uh, loyalty, honor, um, respect, well, that would explain why you like crime films, because, you know, the, 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 the crime family, the godfathered people, you know, they have their their own uh, rules and their own world and um, their own loyalties. And they and they are extremely um, bound to these rules, you know, in, in such a way that if you break them, you know, and we kill you, then that's mm -hmm. just part of the. That's part of the game, you know, but that and, and so I in, in rewatching the movies that I, I chose um, for, you know, ask, you asked me to make a sort of a list and in rewatching them, I that's what I, I was like, wow, you know, the, these like in their own way are all um, exploring uh, the, this aspect of the, you know, the, the, the criminal uh, world. It's not so much about breaking the law um, as it is about maintaining or, or the bonds that, uh, you know. That well, what's the, a, there's a great, um, okay, what's a song from uh, the, the great Dylan line, you know, to live outside the law, you must be honest. <laughs> right, right, is, right, right, which, right, right. Yeah, right through my head a lot as I was. That's uh, great. Revisiting some of these. Well, on the flip side, um, <laughs> I mean, well, it'll be one of the films I'm sure we're talking about. I, I was showing something to my wife the other night, and she loved it. It was one of these films where we get to the end, in which character has sacrificed his life because he must. And she just goes, Ugh, men and their fucking codes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, right? women aren't this stupid. I was like, oh, honey, honey, you'll never right, understand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> probably right. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and they are very male centric. Yeah. Um, yeah, the movies that we're going to talk about are are very male centric. You know, there's one I I wanted to throw one in there that dealt with uh, mm -hmm. a romantic relationship, um, but um, it's uh, you know, and one was one of the commentary commenters on uh, one of the Melville films said it's homosocial. 
You know, it's not homoerotic, you know, whichever way in America, we just love to like uh, yeah. throw around, you know, anytime fucking two guys are friends, it's homoerotic. Right. It's homosocial, you know, it's the bonds between men. It's this uh, male society, you know, and, and and that's what these movies focus on. And today, I suppose uh, people would call them misogy misogynistic. I don't think they're misogynistic at all. You know, men exist, you know, and women exist, you know, in the world of women and men exist in the in the world of men and then they're each, they're very different and separate and they have their own um uh, rules and uh, their own desires and uh, their own we have our own ways of doing things and the crime film especially uh, explores that that homo social uh, reality but the nice thing especially to to <clears throat> and i don't know if anybody would would love those charges of these films but the french especially I mean, even if there's a female character with only one scene, she's invariably strong as hell, really complicated and really interesting. So it's not in France. Yeah, in France. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and she gets beaten up. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or occasionally does the beating, yeah, yeah. or killed, or killed, yeah. or does the killing. Yeah, it's but, also um, interesting. There's no real femme fatale in uh, French crime movies, or at least not the ones that we're no, going to talk about American today. Thing. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. interesting, and, and you know, and a lot of these. Crime, most of the crime films are, we're going to talk about have taken place uh, after the noir uh, revolution. A few of them are pre-war, but uh, so the French were really influenced by film noir, and I just think it's fascinating that as influenced as they were, they they didn't really pick up on this femme fatale thing, you know, and, and uh, it's curious. I'm not sure uh, why that is, uh, but I uh, found it to be really fascinating, you know, that the things that they picked up on, the isolation, the, you know, the man in trouble, uh, you know, all, all the crime, the gangster stuff, uh, they left out. The femme fatale is something that didn't, like, really uh, But that, that character seems to come out of some kind of sexual repression a little bit, you know, and, and, and Americans are much more repressed in the Good French. Point. You know, the French all have these, well, they don't all, but the notion of, you know, open relationships and all that, they're like, eh, you know, so there's not going to be a femme fatale in some French guy's life. He's, you're right. You're right. And, and, and uh, you know, in movies made in the 1950s, oh. guy goes into a club and there's a beautiful painting of a naked woman splashed across the back wall or photographs of, you know, na naked uh, girls. And it's just part of the decor. And, right. you know, it's uh, whereas in America, that could never happen. You know, yeah. for a long time, not in the fifties, and I, that's fast. So there it is. There, yeah, there, that there's your answer. It. But yeah, do you want to just start with one and dive in? Like, yeah. Uh, well, why don't we start with uh, Le Samurai? Uh, uh, you know, let's, uh, that, 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 by the way, is the one my wife was. Met <laughs> 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 in their fucking code. Yeah, you know, we might as well start with something really. Uh, well, that's really uh, start with a bang for yeah. for so much American film. I think yeah. over here, I, mean, I think about like. Um, uh, I, I don't know, just looking at it again, because <clears throat> it's such a great film watching. I kept thinking of like Walter Hill sitting at a theater somewhere, probably with like five other people going, uh, uh, oh, shit, I could steal this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, in the best way possible. It's one of the things that drives me crazy when you go to screenings. Of it's called an influence. Of, yeah, well, you see a lot of foreign films. And even in L.A., I'm surprised how empty the audiences, the theaters are sometimes. Because I'm sitting there going, forget having a great aesthetic experience. They're handing you stuff that you could be robbing blind. And how do you not know this? It was know? easier to do that in the 60s when the movies were dubbed. And they were. Uh, it was a much wider True. audience. True. But today, people just don't want to read those titles. Yeah. In fact, I think that the Lumley Theaters are one of the one of the chains uh, has a has a, a motto: "We're not afraid of subtitles." 
Right. Oh my God, this is terrifying. <laughs> this is a world that I, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, I'm not aware of, the, of uh, how the, how things have changed. I mean, even as a kid, you know, growing when I was a, you know, young man in the nineties and then, you know, and even in the 2000s, I'd go to the theater all the time and people were going to the movies. But this is depressing and and horrible. Uh, and um, we we talk about these uh, movies, and then ah, so frustrating. Well, oh but these God. movies actually can be seen now on yeah. Netflix and, and yeah. Amazon and places Criterion like that. I mean, they're more available than they were generally, and probably you know. much more wi- widely uh, seen. I, I would think, uh, yeah. No, although but, not with an audience, which exactly. I, I think makes a difference. I think you're, it's a different experience a if you're in the difference. theater, and it is. If you want to do it at home, it's the same movie. Yeah. It's not the same experience. And it's something that we're losing. You know, yeah. that it's, experience it's is getting sad. lost. And that's, and, that's why I think the whole brouhaha about the Academy Awards and Netflix and uh, right. Spielberg, Spielberg and you know this whole thing about you know they, they want they want to keep the exhibition idea right. alive because that's the way we all learn to love movies. Now, what I think they don't take into consideration is that the generation that's coming up did not learn to love movies that way. They learned to love movies on their computer right. and on YouTube and places like that, that they could get them in and DVDs and VHSs, which was a tremendous change. The VHS was changed everything. Right. Um, and, and so the idea, the romantic idea of seeing movies in a theater with, a, with an appreciative audience is still the ideal for me. I mean, it's still, that's the way to see. You haven't seen it if you haven't seen it that way. But exactly. I think that that's becoming much less uh, likely to be a place where people are going to encounter these movies. Well, I read Spielberg's, um, you know, plea to separate Netflix movies from in the Academy, and I agree with it 100%. I was very distraught to see that all of the rebuttal in every single... Um, article that I read all supported Netflix, which only tells me that, you know, uh, I think the media has been bought by a whole bunch of really Netflix powerful the media. corporations. <laughs> exactly. So what you're essentially reading is Netflix's rebuttal to Spielberg's, uh, you yeah, know, I statement. Trying to look at it because I can't remember who it is. I mean, it was it like yesterday, the day before? Was it, was it Helen Mirren who gave that great speech? Yes, Helen Mirren and said, I love, Netflix, quote, I love Netflix, but, but fuck, fuck Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> yeah. And she said that, of course, to a whole bunch bunch of exhibitors yes <laughs> you might imagine well yeah i'd be happy yeah. to hear that uh, <laughs> um, right, right, but right, where right. well let's so the samurai where um, okay 1967 yeah. i made some notes because oh, i'm right. dumb and I, uh, uh and making the notes forced me to think you know i mean i'm normally i would put on these movies and i love them and i think about it a little bit but this was great i gotta tell you how excited i was to do this podcast because once we you know because i don't like doing podcasts i don't like interviews this is something i I would avoid like the plague but um the idea of uh talking about movies that i love sparked something in me that allowed me gave me permission to literally spend like three days just watching uh, my uh, my french crime films which a was this fantastic excuse because every one time someone would call be like i'm doing a podcast on thursday (laughs) I got six. I'm on uh, I get six more films. I, I'm on assignment. 
<laughs> so that was terrific. And then the other terrific thing was that I got to do a little bit of research and dig in to a little bit to why I love these movies and what was interesting about them. So I, I made a few notes that I might refer to. I, for, that, that, this is the guest we, we designed the show for. <laughs> so I like to think everyone who comes in here is at least thinking what you just said, but thank you. Where Let's, do you um, want to start? Do you want to give a little summary of the film? Oh, I mean, no, I are we a, are we hoping that many film. people haven't uh, well, we're seen to have, these yeah, movies? Yeah, uh, we're hoping to inspire folks to I think we have to assume that a, a large portion of the audience is not familiar with this Right, subject. well, that's great. And if we can turn some folks on... Exactly to a few of these movies I, mean, I promise you you'll never forget them and it will enrich your love for, uh, for film uh, yeah. and crime hopefully <laughs> <laughs> at least one of them yes um, you choose let's see so uh, Elaine Delon okay uh, we'll talk a little bit about her I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the actors you know uh, some of these French dudes that probably you know have been largely forgotten in, a, in, a, in America America, but they were huge international stars at the time. Elaine Delon was certainly one of them. Uh, by '67, he was quite a big star. He came uh, in, you know, he was um, a, uh, had a lot of odd jobs. He came from a divorced family. Uh, his parents, both uh, French, uh, fought a lot. Stormy childhood, odd jobs, and finally, as a young man, he discovered acting. I think in like '57, and pretty much right away. I think it was 1960. He did. Uh, Visconti cast him in Rocco and his brothers, and he became an international star. The guy looks like James Dean. He's uh, the epitome of French cool. Uh, uh, just a you know. A purple fa- Noon was other. And Purple. Another oh my God! Noon. He yeah. did Purple Noon. He did The Leopard. Uh, he worked with Fellini on that little short uh, movie uh, with the, the Spirits uh, one where they did oh, these Julia three. Spirits? Uh, no, these or, three oh, uh, short of the films. Dead. Yes, yeah, Spirits of the Dead. That was. That was uh, Louis Mal. He was in Louis Mal. Oh, is that he was in the Louis Mal? Oh, yeah. right, right. Of course, this, of course. Terrence Stamp was in the film. Of course, yeah, yeah. Louis Mal with the gambling, with these gambling. Yeah, but nonetheless, that was a big. It was a big star movie. Well, he was oh, so gorgeous. Oh my God, this guy. You know, I mean, uh, and and he he had a double. Oh, it was based on that short story, right? Where he's the William Wilson. Yeah. Yes, right. The Edgar Allan Poe one. Right. It's great. Wow. You really don't have to uh, do any no, research. No, no, I know. I'm, I know some stuff. Um, but anyway, you're doing great on Elaine there. So, um, oh, he retired just last year. He, the guy did six decades. Still looks great. And he was a star in, in all of those decades. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, I would say, the French Tom Cruise. Yeah, a, a, absolutely. You know, he was. Uh, he said, uh, he said that he's sick of the world. This is in 2018. He said, "I'm sick of the world and ready to die." Oh, Jesus, but damn. I want to take my dog with me. By the way, there's a, there's a great, um, and I, I just tracked down. I, I keep trying to get a good version of this, and, and I'm always dissatisfied, but I might have found a French Blu-ray that just came out. He did a film with uh, Belmondo called Borsellino. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I just ordered it. Yeah. Yeah. Jean-Paul Fran- Belmondo and... From Amazon France. And uh, Elaine Delon. That I just a, got it on was, Amazon. That was yes. an art house hit. 
What, because it's like it never. It showed it the Egyptian once. Can never find a good copy of it with subtitles. Well, um, I just ordered it. Oh, I think the, I think it's like a Hungarian copy or oh, something. Yeah, I just, probably I has French, subtitles. A French one. The la- I got a Japanese one that had no subtitles, which yeah. was really frustrating. But uh, <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll let you know. But it's it's incredible. You have not seen it. No. It it's Coppola took so much of the look from The Godfather oh, from this great. film. Wow. I mean, it's just it's just a visual feast. And the hat. And the hat. The mm. hats. Mm. My uh, the 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 Delon film I try to turn everybody on to is one called The Last Adventure with Lino Ventura and Joanna Shimkus, which oh. was uh, it was uh, Robert Enrico, the guy who did the Currents at Owl Creek Bridge, uh, and it's uh, it's an adventure picture, and and, and it's just, it was a big hit actually at the time uh, in France, and then Universal bought it and released it as a second feature, so people didn't really see it very much. But uh, it's available from Movie Detective, and I, if I may plug Movie Detective, um, it's, a, it's a place to get really good copies of, of foreign films that uh, you pr- may not know even exist, but it's a, it's a, it's a great library, they're, and they're, they're very reasonable, um, and, and, they're, and they're all region. So uh, I, I, if you go on movie detective, what's the name dot, of the movie? Movie uh, detective. Uh, that movie is called The Last Adventure, Adventure, which I think is called The Adventurers in France. Ah, but anyway, it's really good. You'll love it. I'll check that out. Yeah. So anyway, we, we've established but, that Elaine has done okay for himself, yeah, and, now, himself, and now yeah. he's so yeah, he's yeah. he's, he's so jaded and wants to die. Not for that Samurai is is. Right. I mean, that's that's. So if you haven't seen any Jean Melville, if you haven't seen any Melville, um, it would Le Samurai be a good place to start? That's my question. So here's the deal: Le Samurai is. Um, the counterpoint to some of the other movies we're going to talk about, because it's about, you know, um, the lone assassin, the lone gun, you know, the, the guy who doesn't have any friends, who the, who uh, has all everyone's a potential enemy, uh, who has to live a life of solitude in order for his own survival. And Melville explores the uh, consequences of that, you know, what what that means. So as a result, it's and with a coat. A hundred percent, a very strong uh, code. He lives within the world and obeys its laws, and yet he is the ultimate outsider because he's the outsider of the outsiders. Yes. Which is why (laughs) Melville, you know, in my opinion, um, you know, wanted to explore uh, this. It's almost a counterpoint to the other movies that he did, which are all about outsiders bonding together and the codes between them and how they must live or die uh, based on those codes. Codes. Um, this guy certainly is beholden to the code, but ha- but has um, no friends. Uh, can't have a real relationship with a, with a woman. Uh, has people that will help him out, and then maybe even could love him if he would have let that happen. But he can't let it happen. He can never let his guard down. He's always. Um, being pursued and, and, and always watch. He's always watching his back, you know. And so this is the epitome of cool for Melville. Um, it's uh, shot in these steely, cold, pastel colors. It's the only color film of, of our group, too. Uh, go, insanely gorgeous color. You know, the opening is like a still painting. It's this wide shot of his Paris apartment. And there's a couple of windows. And there's uh, Delon laying on a bed. And uh, he's... Um, 
smoking. So it's a wide shot. There's two windows on either side. It's raining. The cars are going by underneath the window. You can see the reflections of the cars on the ceiling. And there's a birdcage right in between. And the birdcage is twittering. The birds just tweet. And that's the only sound you hear is that and the sounds of these occasional cars going by. And it just holds. And Delon lights a cigarette. And you just see this in the corner of the room, this waft of cigarette smoke coming up. And... And the credits, and it's it's mesmerizing, and the color it looks like a painting, you know. And then something weird happens, you know. The, there's a great quote from Bushido comes up. Is it a real quote? I don't, I, that's I don't a good know. Question. I don't know. <laughs> he, he's uh, no. He, I think there's another movie where he quotes, it, but it's a totally made up made uh, quote. quote. So I'm not sure if this one is real or not. But it basically says the solid. There's only one, you know, the samurai. There's only one, uh, you know, uh, thing. Lives a life of utter solitude maybe the tiger of the jungle you know might have lived more more um, more solitude maybe um and then the, do you remember that the, the key then it, the the uh, the image starts oh, yeah. vibrate yeah it's That's almost right. like these jiggling the zoom yeah. or something you know and the perspectives it starts sort of getting kind of shifty and change and, cha- and then and i never could figure out and then delon gets up and you know, and he dons this, we watch him don this costume, you know, he goes into the mirror, he puts on his trench coat, which for Melville in the films he's done is this classic gangster uniform. And it's almost like watching a kid play dress up in the mirror. He's so young, he's so, but he's very, very seriously putting on his trench coat and adjusting his hat. Very in the seriously, mirror, at the brim of his hat. You know, and there's, um, other uh, movie that we'll talk about, you know, Second Wind, where the mirror and looking at yourself in the mirror, and La Doulos, you know, the the uh, great movie with Jean Pelmondo, which is called The Hat, which means the informant. Uh, in front, in front, there's so he, he Melville plays with this mirror image a lot. You know, guys sort of um, taking stock of themselves in the mirror. Uh, which is which is so he he does that he goes outside and he steals a car you know you're thinking maybe is this guy playing dress up at being a, nah he's he's again he's stealing a car not only that he's a pro he's got he, those rings he's, he pulls out this key ring of all the blanks from like every make and model in, in France and he starts trying the keys and he's so cool about it you know he just there's a cop like three cars away he doesn't give a shit he's just sitting in his car he puts the his key ring on the seat and he stares straight ahead and just one at a time he just tries every key until he finds one that fits and drives away and that's sort of the the beginning of the film he's off to do a he's off to you know, to kill someone and when we watch him go about his his uh and and just in in brief i'll summarize the film uh, and i'm not sure we're going to give everything away oh and, no you don't i mean just just yeah I'll just s- enough to make him want to watch it i'll summarize the film uh like this he essentially goes after his uh he performs his his hit. He meets a beautiful black jazz musician who witnesses the uh, the hit, and then and uh, he immediately gets busted by the cops. Uh, the cops are on to him. He gets put in front of the lineup. You know, he's obviously the guy. They bring in the black jazz musician. They're like, you know, is this the guy? And she looks right at him and says, No, no, I never seen him before. And they have to let him go, but they know that he's the guy. Meanwhile, he goes to collect his money, 
And they, the people that he's working for, have heard that he's been arrested, so they try to kill him. So now, and the reason why we're watching, you know, this moment in this guy's life is that he's wanted by the people who he's working for. They want him out because he's, if he gets busted by the cops, then that'll lead directly to them. And of course, the cops, you know, know that he's guilty. And we watch him negotiate how to get out of it you know what's what's he gonna how is he gonna get out of this one and you just by it's elaine delon and the guy's such a pro you you figure you know he's gonna get out of it he's 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 smart he's crafty um he's got you know he's got a girl that uh, may or may not be in love with him and she's gonna provide an alibi you know and he's got but it's a the solitude of the guy is what we are uh, confronted with, you know, and uh, there's this incredible sequence um, where he escapes the cops. The cops are like, we've got this son of a bitch. We're going to put 50 guys on him. We're going to see, see where. So he, he's got 50 cops on the street and in the subway and they're all tailing him and they've all got these counters where they can switch on and off this light at headquarters to to track Dillon as he tries to work his way through the subway system in Paris. And he, and he, of course he catches on and he can't, he just can't get away from these sons of bitches. There are just there. The net is slowly closing in and he twists and he turns and it's this wonderful, beautiful, long, silent sequence of him uh, basically jumping on trains and jumping off Jump trains off tra- and yeah. being followed uh-huh. by this girl and that guy. And just he can't get rid of these tails. And he finally does, uh, as we expect him to. And he runs down this down a side street and jumps into a car. And now he pulls out his ring of keys and now he's in the same situation that we saw in the very beginning but all his cool is gone he's trying to maintain cool he's still staring straight ahead as he's trying these keys but his eyes are shifting and you can almost see the beads of sweat starting to come down he doesn't quite sweat he's Delon's too cool for that but (laughs) but you know you he you could tell uh, the the veneer the visage has been broken and from then on we kind of know where uh, where this is going you know uh, it's a beautiful beautiful essay or study of the of, uh, life alone you know the price of uh, living uh, by the, the life alone by the code I, I love how everything he does in that film it's just whatever he's presented with it's like, okay, this is what I have to do now. Uh-huh. It's, it's, even when the guy goes, what are you here for? Because I'm here to kill you. <laughs> but but um, just, you know, it's like, well, I've been shot. Now I have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. You know, now uh-huh. I have to run from the cops. Uh-huh. Now I have to, there's just, um, as, like, as, yeah, there's, there's never that moment of like, oh my God, what the fuck yeah. is going on? And it's all this, the while he's thinking, I've got to get home and feed my canary. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's part of the code, by the and way. Is that how he knows that some guys bust into his apartment while he's gone, the cops, and they yeah. and they put a, they hide a little transmitter. That's right. And I think one of the cops, before they leave, feeds the canary. 
Yeah, he knows. And that's when Jeff Costello is his name yeah. in the movie. When Costello comes home, that's how he knows someone's yeah, better. Yeah, someone's bird. <laughs> <laughs> he can tell there are eight fewer seats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that was my my wife was very she's very keyed into uh, animals. Nancy is, and she as soon as she showed the bird, she's like, "They're gonna kill the bird." I'm like, "They're not gonna kill the bird." Uh, <laughs> they don't kill the bird, by the way. Uh, so, you know, so is this a great um, film to start with? My personal opinion is no. Uh, it's it's for Melville uh, or even French crime films in general. Oh, no, I think I know where you're going. Yeah, because it's very, um, I remember the first time I saw it was at a, a, a LACMA screening in the 80s. And it, it didn't quite click with me the way it did later. Well, but it's, a, it's a very austere film. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think I think if you start, and it's very measured, earlier. and it's very you know, yeah, it, yeah. it is it's an art film, and the yeah. French the French existentialism is very prominent uh, in the film. You know, they, yeah. they and, and uh, it's really Melville's only film about a lone wolf. You know, uh, and it's sort of his antithesis uh, film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to to the one that he just did uh, right before that, which is uh, Second Wind, right? Yeah. So if you were going to start with one, you would start with Second Wind? I would start, Second Wind is it's, fucking it's brilliant, and Lino Ventura, who, mm-hmm. who we'll talk about. Um, it's brilliant. Uh, I might start, so, I might start there, yeah. Um, I also uh, wanted to talk a little bit about The Hat, you know. I think that might be my favorite. You know, uh, Ladulos, the informant uh, with Jean-Paul. Ladulos, the finger man, it was called. The finger man. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, But yeah, I mean, um, Second Wind is a fantastic place to start. It's just a great classic beautiful uh crime film should do we, should, yeah, should no, we talk should about jump that in. what's fascinating is it's, it's only one year earlier and it's it's such a completely different movie i mean except for the fact that it's about a criminal but right that, right, right, uh, right yeah uh, yeah no it's this densely packed with characters and Right, right, right. And, and it's sort of a, it's, it's a, in the same way, an exploration of one guy's journey. Yep. Um, but now he, we're looking at uh, Lino Ventura, who uh, is a fantastic French actor, uh, sort of reminds me of a middle-aged Robert De Niro in, in, in a way, you know. Very much. Uh, yeah. Really, yeah. really strong uh, one of my favorites, uh, probably, you know, um, is, is Ventura and, and the other guy. Uh, so he plays the master criminal who escapes from prison in uh, the very first scene. We watch him and three other guys escaping from this prison that looks exactly like the prison from uh, another movie we might talk about, which is The Hole, uh, Latrua, uh, Becker, right? Uh, and so that, that movie, the entire film is about escaping from this prison. Um, and Melville does it in about uh, 90 seconds. <laughs> and, that, and it's the same prison and they're using the same uh, escape method, you know. They're escaping in the exact same way from this, from the, from the same prison. I, I thought that was really, really neat. Um, and so the, he's a master criminal. Uh, he's on the loose. He, he's got to be um, hidden by his pals, and he's being hunted by a ruthless um, inspector of police uh, named Blue. Uh, B-L-O-T, Blue, uh, played by uh, Paul Maurice. 
Um, and so this is, a, in, a, in a lot of ways, in, in the vein of heat, you know, where we're watching. But what we're watching really is um, a guy's self-worth being challenged and ultimately uh, um, destroyed, you know, um, by by and 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 we're and we're watching uh, this inspector who will go to any means, you know. He, in a lot of ways, the inspector does not have a code, you know. Even though he is part of the police and he's got to, you know, follow all these procedures, they when they nail him, they nail him by by throwing all that shit away and and and. and 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 really pisses off uh, Ventura, you know. You, 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 they just broke every rule in in doing this, and in breaking those rules, destroys uh, Lino Ventura's reputation on the street, which of course was intentional, but destroys Ventura in the process. You know, uh, this guy's a master thief. He's been at it for a long time. He's older. He pro- probably wants to retire. He's done. And, you know, he escapes from prison. And, you know, this is like uh, what you do. You you know, you escape from prison. You use your buddies. You lay low for a few months. And, you know, his sister, who's also been a, a criminal her whole life, uh, is, is a crime boss in her own right, right. And they've got a club and they've got friends and, and a tight-knit group of people and they will hide him, they will get him his papers, they will get him on a boat, and, and they will get him the hell out of there, and they will set him up, uh, and, and that that's what they intend to do. Um, but, of course, all this gets uh, thrown under the bus with this inspector who just won't quit and, and is not willing to play by the rules. You know, he, he's going bre- to break all the rules in order to bring him down. Um, what, yeah. No, I feel like I feel, but doesn't at the end the uh, the uh, the inspector kind of there's a gesture on his part that kind of indicates yeah, yeah, that he's aware of what yeah, he's yeah, done the wrong yeah, thing, yeah, which is great, which is kind of nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I always love in those movies. It's just always a thing where where the uh, you know that moment where the cop sort of recognizes that you know perhaps perhaps his prey is more noble than he is. Perhaps, of course, perhaps Richard Kimball wasn't guilty after yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except this guy's guilty as shit. I mean. <laughs> and of course, he pulls off a job in the middle of it all. You know, incredible. He, he, That's yeah. another, I want to. One of the things that um, I, I love the, the French do so much, and and um, uh, but. Jules Nassim, I feel like, was was a big proponent of this. I don't know what the sequence of events was, but if you look at Rafifi, and he was American who went to France because uh, of the, uh, uh, the the communist hearings, um, the, the blacklist, uh, Rafifi has that amazing heist where you just go through every step of it. And that seems to be a thing that happens a lot in French crime films. I mean, we, we've lifted a lot of that over here, but but um, all of these films, there's always that, there's at least one moment where everything just stops cold and you go through an entire process because mm. the heist in that movie, I mean, you see every detail of it down to, I, I remember this, this is one of the ones I, I just watched because we were doing this, where um, they're sitting around waiting for the, 
they're up in the hills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Western robbery. Like they're waiting for the stagecoach to come through the pass. They're yeah. they're basically up in the mountains. You but know, that, remember the guy smoking the cigarette and just flicking it on the bugs? Yeah, that's a great moment. Yeah. Just, yeah. You just get that yeah. sense of just waiting, waiting, you know, waiting on the job, staring at the ants <laughs> on the rocks, yeah. and they're just looking, and you know, and the guys are bored, and one guy's you know practicing pulling his gun out out of his uh, jacket and throwing it out the window. Uh, you know, it's just this. This, and yeah, and, and the way that robbery is shot was impressive for me because um, it was so a economical and b almost impressionistic in the way, in the action. You know, they you, they only give you enough information to so that you could see so you could see what's happening. The shots are. Uh, almost like a, it, it felt. It feels like what it would feel like to be in the action when your heartbeat is going 160 beats a minute, and you're only catching glimpses of what's happening in front of you because you're so uh, wound up and in the moment. And that's the way it's filmed, not with a shaky camera or any, anything like that. Just impressions of what is happening uh, as they so. And that struck me as very different from the Hollywood method, which is just, it's almost, it's, it's pornography. It's violence as pornography. You're going to see every, you know, uh, last uh, moment of, you know, of the cars and then all, you know, and there's going to be, uh, you know, shots of cars and wheels and, and hands and, 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 and then the car flips over and then it rolls and then it explodes. You know, so you see all of the action, whereas here it's, it's only, it's only exactly what you need to see to get to the next so it's still it moves and the pace is great and it's and it and it's violent but it's also incredibly economical um and and probably much faster to shoot (laughs) (laughs) probably got it done a lot a lot quicker but but none of you know it's still none of the uh stuff that you um expect today yeah, 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 and it seems to be in real time too, which is the real time uh, that, that aspect, the heist. Um, oh, well, that's what I was saying. Too. Was, was that like stylistically? Do you, do you have a sense of of that evolving over here, over there? Of what of real time? Just the, sort of the the crime done in real time thing that feels. Um. Well, I I, I, we, we, I guess when you go to the killing, and you see the real crime done in real time over and over right. from different angles yeah. that's a sort of a, that was a different take sure. on that sure. sort of thing but, but again but a lot of those movies really depend on the the precision of the detail right and and especially when these are supposed to be well thought out robberies you know until you get to the one mistake they make you have to really see it in in uh, see the little nuances of what everybody's supposed to do at this time and in that time. That, that's why the killing is a great example for that because everything is carefully choreographed to happen at a certain time, and it's the only movie that shows you what's happening outside the last thing you saw. So you know, if there's people who are supposed to do something to cause a disturbance, you see the beginning of what they're doing to cause that disturbance while you've already had the opportunity to see what's going on in the other part of the racetrack where the guys are, you know, getting the bags ready or, or, you know, whatever. And that was part of uh, the novel. That was uh, yeah. the way Lionel, Lionel White laid out the novel, which was cool. And that's what Stu- Kubrick wanted to maintain. And they fought him on that, right. obviously, because right. nobody you know done that. It was an interesting way. But I think Rafifi is probably the, 
uh, grandfather uh, of the real time, you know, uh, execution of the robbery. I mean, it's got to be. I mean, I think that you know, yeah, what is it? Feels right, right. Yeah, um, but, I, but, but what is Rafi? When was Rafifi? It was, it was, it was like fifty nine or something. Fifty seven. I thought it was earlier. Fifty five. Uh, but uh, but it's an interesting yeah, thing, and yeah. it's used to run yes. through a lot of these movies. Fifty five. You're right. Yeah, the trick with foreign movies is that. Sometimes we didn't see That's them for right, two we didn't years. That's right, we didn't see them for a couple of years. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, what else do we want to say about... Uh, oh, I, well, I'd like, aren't you, aren't you, I want to talk about Lino Ventura a little bit, just because it turned people on to, uh, uh, to Lino. Um, this guy was actually a wrestler, uh, and he was the European champion. Um, of Europe, uh, yeah, that would be incomparable. <laughs> um, uh, in 1953, uh, he was a guy who never did publicity. He never liked the business of being a movie star. He just wanted to. Never gave interviews. Uh, really, just wanted to do his work and be with his family. Um, he dropped out of high school, had a lot of odd jobs. He got, he was born Italian, uh, but moved to France as a very young age. So when the war happened, he, um, was conscripted into the Italian army. Um, and then he immediately deserted and, uh, went back to France, uh, uh because he, he felt like that, that was his home. So of course the French loved him for that. <laughs> um, you know, and outside of being the, you know, the French uh, movie star, uh, you know, uh, you feel like he never had any affairs. He was married to the same woman for 23 years and they had four kids together. And so he, he had, he was so in love with his wife that he would, it, you had to coax him into doing love scenes. He hated kissing another woman on screen. You, you really had to sort of, you know, be very gentle and careful about how you got him into to, to doing that. So that rarely, he rarely see Lino, you know, in a love scene with a woman and he wouldn't do it. He loved his wife, you know, which is goes against the, you know, the typical French sort of thing that we think. And about. Italian. Yeah. And, and right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ventura is one of those underspoken, you know, for guys kind of like, imagine if The Rock was a great actor, you know? <laughs> it, it would just be so incongruous, we wouldn't be able to put it together in our minds, and that's Lino Ventura. Yeah. He, he's sort of like, like imagine the the Rock became like Robert De Niro, you know. Uh, there you have Lino Ventura, right. sort of this this anomaly, uh, and, and uh, just fantastic, you know. I just love the way I love his look. I love the way he talks. I love his understated ability, natural, just one of those guys that just got it right away, you know, from his very first film, uh, Hands Off the Loot. Uh, you know, he, he so he became the um, European st uh, champion of wrestling and then immediately got injured and was out of the game. Didn't know what the hell to do with himself. 
Um, so he eventually, you know, he heard that they were casting, they were looking for gangsters for this movie, Hands Off the Loot, which turned out to be Jean Gabin. Uh, am I saying that right? Uh, Jean, Jean, Jean His uh, comeback movie. You know, he was the biggest star in France uh, before the war. The guy was uh, Spencer Tracy and Humphrey Bogart all rolled up into one. He was just a wonderful guy. And then the war happened. And uh, there's a lot of uh, has that with a lot of careers. Um, he, he sort of got reshuffled and forgotten and lost and lost and got older and he got a little fatter and a little grayer. And he, and he sort of so was out of work and he was out of work for quite a few years. And then uh, finally, this film hands off. The Loot was a wonderful crime film, and that, that's what made his comeback in. And it happened to be Lino Ventura's uh, very first film, where he plays sort of the baddie, the bad, the bad mobster. In the I got film. like a theatrical release here a few years yeah. ago. I remember seeing it at the New Art. Well, it was released here originally. It was Grisby. Was the yeah, time. yeah, Grisby. Touche pas le Touche pas le Grisby. Yeah, yeah. Another Becker, Jacques, Jacques, Jacques Becker uh, uh, movie. Um, so that's my bit on um, Lino Ventura. You know, did you get, you want to talk about Hands Off the Loot? I, I have not seen no? it okay. that, right, right. No, okay. Right. Let's... Uh, um, well, yeah, Joe, it's, Joe it's, does. No, the hat is the one that I thought you. <laughs> oh were yeah, let's talk about the hat. Which one? Oh, the hat. Le Doulouse. Yeah. Which I've not seen. Um, so so I'm, I'm the guy you're trying to rope into this one. I, I, th no. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Bob the Gambler was Melville's yeah. first crime Bob film. Bob Laflamme. The Bob Laflamme. <laughs> That's his first crime film, and uh, the hat would have been his second. So, um, you know, Melville had done some art movies. He did a Jean, Jean Cocteau uh, f uh, film, uh, L'Enfant Terrible. Um, beautiful, uh, you know, but of course nothing made any money. So he said, I better do something a little more commercial. And that's when he got into uh, Bob the Gambler, which is a br brilliant uh, and so it stars uh, uh, Serge Rajani mm -hmm. um, and Jean-Paul Belmondo and uh, Michel Piccoli has a little part and he's a wonderful uh, French actor. Um, so I thought that this was sort of a Melville myth riffing on the mythical noir gangster movies of the 30s and 40s. Everybody's got trench coats and the hats and... And it's got what I think is the best opening of any Melville film. It starts out underneath the underpass uh, and, and, and in the dark and it's black and white. And then we're tracking shot and we're just watching this figure in a trench coat and a hat walking along underneath the underpass. And we see the, uh, you know, the grating on the underpasses. And, and he just, it's just this long tracking shot where we're just watching this guy walk, you know, from darkness into light and then darkness again and it's a uh, jazz score underneath and the credits and it's just so evocative it's so gorgeous it's you're just in right, right away you know and and then he stops and the camera kind of this is Serge Rajani stops and the camera just kind of pushes in on him a little bit and and, uh, and then we're off to the races you know he he shows up at uh, uh, this lonely house in the middle of nowhere and he walks up the stairs and uh, this old man is taking apart some jewels he's separating the diamonds from the gold and uh, this is his buddy is sort of a fence or go-between kind of character 
Um, and they have this uh, conversation uh, you know, where we learn that he's uh, just got out of prison. And uh, we, we start putting together this story um, in slowly in bits and pieces. You know, Melville only gives you little pieces. You know, he ends up shooting this guy who you think is his friend. Uh, they just had this sort of, uh, you know, do you want any money? Do you need anything? We can put you up uh, for the night. You know, this guy is really going out of his way to... <laughs> help Serge Vigiani and you know Serge goes hey you got a gun I can borrow and he's like yeah it's in the top drawer and he walks over and he opens the drawer with his pinky and you're like uh oh <laughs> <laughs> and, he pull, and he pulls out the gun and he, and he shoots the guy you know? and you're like why did that happen uh, and we slowly put together uh, this story through throughout the uh, the movie um, you know who Who's going to be the informant? You know, who's the, you know, they're always like, uh, we're going to pull his job, but what about this other guy? I don't quite trust that guy. You know, no, no, no. He, that guy's been a friend of mine for a long time. Uh, this other guy, you know, I'm not so sure. What about your friend? You know, why, why do you vouch for him? You know, and then uh, Jean-Paul Belmondo shows up. And he's the again like uh, Elaine Delon, just the epitome of French cool. And you're just like this guy's got it all together, and he's probably gonna you know, end up leading these guys. And uh, no, he's the informant. <laughs> you know, like, wait, so this this is the guy who's friends with the cops, who's running around. Um, uh, it's a very tight noir tale what i love about it is it has no moral viewpoint you know melville never takes a moral stance on these characters you know it's really a story about uh the ambiguity of loyalty and betrayal um what that means and to who uh and i think that that's um that kind of ambiguity is baked into the way that Melville uh, tells the story. You know, he holds back critical information that uh, uh, we only get pieces of a story, which we slowly kind of put put together throughout the film. So where at the same time, you know, and, and the films that he was commenting on, the films that he was obviously in love with, had very clear uh, a moral stance, you know. I mean, it's right. the the old Hollywood well, yeah, morality, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, yeah, and they have rules, you know. If, uh, if you, you know, you, ha you you had to die if you if you cheat somebody on a, uh, you know, you have to die if you if you kill somebody. Well, you have to die. Um, uh, if you do wrong, you know, you, you must be punished, and that's the way it works. And that's that's why the cops close in on you at the end. Um, but none of that commentary exists, you know, with these guys, and it puts the emphasis on who uh, between. It puts the emphasis on the um, relationships between uh, our our outlaws, you know. Um, so, you know, uh, we'll see what else. Uh, he loved to use uh, rear screen projection. And this is like, what was this, 1962, you know, all the, nobody was doing that stuff. Or people were, which is funny because they call Melville the godfather of neorealism. Realism, yeah. You know, he, the, all the guys, Truffaut and everybody else was like, you know, Melville, he's our, you know, spiritual father um, because he brought of the realism. <laughs> Melville loved his 
his rear screen projection when nobody was doing it, and he loved his optical dissolves and his misty uh, flashbacks, you know, through windscreens and stuff, and and uh, and he loved it. You, I. You, think that he loved it because of the movies that he grew up loving as a kid. Yeah. You know, this is the stuff that they did in the 30s and 40s. And he wanted to be a part of that and comment on that and make his movies a part of that world, which if you love film noir and you love crime movies and gangster films from America, you just love, you got to love Melville because he's a love affair with these, uh, with these images. I mean, th this movie is his most noir because it's stylistically very impressionistic. It's got the heart it's got the long shadows it's got the misty streets and the foggy street lamps and you know lone people uh, and it's just beautiful uh, you know it's it's got the slanted ceilings that kind of trap people uh in the frame and oh it's it's just, oh, I just watch, can watch this movie over and over just because of it's so good looking you know and and, and it's just just wonderful um, extension of the Hollywood gangster uh, film, you know, and when I was watching these movies as a kid, a uh, young man, uh, watching uh, gangster movies and falling in love with Cagney and, and, and all, all, everybody else, uh, you know, uh, Bogart and um, Robinson, uh, I always wanted these guys to win, you know, I, I, always, I was like, those are the guys, you know, look, but he, he, he those are the guys with the real moral center you know and, and and i always want and so this is i my, my fantasy is that melville thought the same things when he was watching these movies as a kid and did it you know he and he created the kind of movies that he wanted to see using all the elements that we love about uh noir and uh, gangster films but they still usually get it in the end even even with him but I mean, the reasons they get it yeah. are totally for to, for totally different reasons and always, you know, it's a little bit tragic. <laughs> well, there's a line in, in uh, Second Chance that I, I wrote down. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to just steal it and use it in something someday. But they're, they're talking about the, uh, the Leno character, and someone says he's doomed, and he knows it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like all these guys. Uh. They're yeah. all just—they're all just marking time. They're, they're marking time. They're doomed, and they know it. Um, and, but you know, but aren't we all? The, and the, <laughs> the I wish I'd said that. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the movies, the the what the stories. The stories are about um, the price of loyalty. You know. The price of uh, being holden, beholden uh, to a code. Um, there's a wonderful twist in uh, La Dulos that I don't want to give away. It would be criminal of me to do so. Um, but there's a... a um, well, is, uh, I, what, what else can I say about this film? Uh, oh, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> I, this, this is one I have not seen, and I'm well, yeah. Uh, well, I think it'll quickly become one one of your favorites. Okay, you know. fantastic. Yeah, uh, we're on the same page so far. So. Right, it's uh, you know just the camera work. You know, just the way he uses film. Like they, of course, Belmondo ends up at the uh, police inspector's office, and and the sort of uh, giving him the once over and interrogate him, and they. 
they and they can't and they, and, the, and it's just a sh- regular old scene in an office. But but uh, Melville never cuts the camera. It's about four and a half minute take, and you and you don't notice that. It's so it's so subtle that you don't notice that. It's all in the. Uh, yeah, it's all in the blocking. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, am I running out of time? You keep no, looking no, at your no, watch. No. Um, anyway. uh, but you were you were mentioning we were talking about the uh, there there was one exception in terms of the uh, the gender issue here that you were gonna. What? Which is? Oh, oh no! Oh, yeah, well, that would, be, uh, that would be that would that would be Daybreak. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't want to say stuff in French. I just butcher it. Le jour, le jour se lève. I love it. He keeps looking at Joe like, Joe, like as, if I, as if I can speak French. As if, yeah, <laughs> want to judge your French. Le <laughs> jour se so lève. Uh, what was the American title? Uh, um, yeah, Daybreak. Daybreak. Yeah, I'm looking for my my, my notes here uh, because uh, I want to talk about. Uh, how do you say it? Jean Gab Gabin? Jean Gabin. Jean Gabin. Jean Gabin. I want to talk about Mon Dieu, sacre bleu. Jean Gabin. Yes. And of course, uh, we, we need to talk about uh, Marcel Car- Carnet. Carnet. Yeah. Um, who has uh, been forgotten? You know, I think. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Carnet was up there. You know, he at a period of time he was the most well-known and famous uh, French uh, film director. He literally defined. Um, the idea of the sort of the um, the French movie star film, you know, he was sort of he, he was it was like the Hollywood studio system, all the best parts of it uh, put together into a Carnet's uh, work. It was very it was uh, all shot on stage. The thing that happened with Carnet, you know, it was all extremely well designed. Um, the uh, he worked with uh, Privert, Jacques Privert, Jacques Privert. Privert uh, who was a poet. And uh, and a screen madman apparently uh, 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 yeah uh, uh, yeah I mean there's all sorts of he was just a he was a tortured writer that's where we get the word prevert <laughs> prevert we say prevert he's one hundred percent prevert it's a Colonel Baguano says it that way. <laughs> um, if that is your name yeah he I mean the the poetry of the uh, I mean the guy they did four movies together I think and just the guys it's just gorgeous it's everything it's so French it's so beautiful and French and the are you a francophile I love uh, French film you know and I put my daughter in the French school uh, here in LA so she speaks fluent French yeah, well we should brought her which is why I keep which is why I keep you know be, uh, hesitate or not trying to because my, my daughter just butchers me whenever I try to say anything you know uh, you know and so it's different for for me I uh, butcher the French uh, language uh, I, I get it at home <laughs> so I but uh, so, am I a francophile? I, I just have a deep love in, uh, of, uh, of, of French culture and French cinema. I know I wouldn't go so far as to call me a francophile, but sure. Yeah. Did you ever live there? I spent a lot of time uh, there, but I've never had a place there, and almost bought a place a couple of times. And I want to buy a a place outside somewhere in the country. You know, last summer, a couple summers ago, me and Harlow, my daughter. Um, just drove around uh, uh, France for two weeks, you know, and drove up into mostly the south and some of the, the middle. And, and so the next trip, we're going to go explore sort of the north and the east and just get an idea of the, the lay of the land. You know, I, I, I love the people. I love the, uh, in, in the, I, the, Ita- the Italians are, you know, 
in my humble experience, have always been trying to rip you off. They love it. It's part of the culture. You know, they take pride in it. They take pride in sort of like seeing what they can get over on you. It's part of the way they're built. You know, it's part of their DNA. And believe me, it's there. I mean, you know, like they're still paying off the mob. You know, in, in those. <laughs> Uh, so um, the views expressed in this podcast so, are not necessarily uh, the, uh, <laughs> so the Italians are one of them. It's gorgeous in Italy, but I, I am you know, it's, I don't know, I really love France. I I kind of love the way this stuff keeps feeding back and forth. How you know the Americans make these gangster movies, and then the French see them, and then they feed you know they they do their version, and then yeah. you get a bunch of American filmmakers in the '60s, especially who are watching these movies, and then they're feeding them back. Right. I mean, we're we're at a point now. Do, do you ever go to the? Uh, there's that great City of Lights, um, City of Angels festival that they do at the DGA every year. They show mm. new French films. Oh, great. And I always make a point of going the night they show like a triple feature of new French crime films. Yeah. Because it's just, mm. you know, this is, when I got into the business to write was kind of crime movies and westerns, which... Mm. Which unfortunately uh, they... Yeah, which is why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> but, but I love going because it's like the only place I get to go to see great American crime films anymore in this French film festival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually, do, 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 do you see good ones? Are they still yeah, putting out still some making, good ones? they're still making Kind of, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, great in the good. best way possible programmers, you know, the kind right. of solid, you know, the stuff I'd, I'd love to write. In fact, I'm, I'm writing a, a feature right, right now for some French producers wow. for adapting an American novel for a French film, wow. which is that kind of thing that right. almost nobody's making here. Right. But but it's so interesting the way, I mean, it happens all over the world, but I feel like French particularly, uh, the, the way they feed their stuff to us and then we feed it back to them and then we feed it to, you know, because uh, all these movies are, are inspired by... Obviously, American films. Although uh, Daybreak is is very French. Daybreak is the first, 1939. Uh, it's really the first of a very rich genre of man trapped somewhere, reliving the circumstances of how he got there, uh, and and how and how is he going to get out of it? You know, type of movie. Which and but this was, uh, and the sort of the the desperation. Uh, you know, in influenced uh, all of uh, the film noir stuff. Um, so this really was a, 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 a godfather to a, a lot of the tone um, uh, of uh, films that would follow, you know. Uh, and uh, Carnet was the, I don't know if he invented this, but man, the guy, his movies are, people call it poetic realism, okay? He... Um, from for my money, I mean, Carnet and that that kind of film, where everything is um, uh, thought out, uh, the the beautiful shadows, the misty streets, the the way that the sets are built, and you know the kind of jumbly uh, houses that are cramped on top of each other, but in this wonderfully artistic way, where you like, I would definitely live there with no money. Like, I would love to live there. You know, uh, you just you want to go there. You you feel like you're breathing the atmosphere it's the alt he originated the atmospheric movie okay so ridley scott um all all the guys that we watch uh, today were um uh, have to pay tribute to carnet who was paying tribute to guys uh, like murnau and the silent films okay um the german i think the germans started i don't know my, my history as well as i should but the germans and murnau you know they started this sort of impressionistic incredibly gorgeous um 
um, style of filmmaking that uh, really caught a lot of shit when the neorealists came along. You know, they they rebelled against the artifice of the poetic realistic style. You know, so guys like Murnau, who was dead long long before, but guys like Carnet, who lived in 1996, was just crucified. You know, for his um, artifice, which they call artifice. You know, and uh, what people and and this was a natural, you know, evolution. So, you know, there's no right or wrong here, but it's very sad that Carnet's been, um, you know, lost and forgotten. Uh, his poetic, realistic movies are some of the best films ever made. Uh, his Port of Shadows, which was made the year before and also starring uh, John, uh, was um, uh, condemned by the French uh, military and government for being anti-France. And they literally said, if we lose the war, blame it on Port of Shadows, um, you know, for his pessimistic, uh, right. you know, attitude of the, 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 that was pre- realistic. prevalent realistic and attitude. was realistic. And uh, Carnet replied, you know, don't blame the barometer for the storm, you know. <laughs> uh, um, so he was caught up in all that, you know, he really caught the way that France was feeling at the time and he paid for it. Um, in both way, on both sides of the coin, you know, he was celebrated. The guy went on to do Children of Paradise, okay, which was probably the biggest moneymaker. It was, it's our, it was France is gone with the wind. It's the biggest moneymaker in the history of uh, France. I mean, the movie is a fucking masterpiece. And he delayed production because he he knew that if I can stretch this out, to make this the first movie of um, when we're finally free of the French occupation rather than the first, the last movie of our captivity, mm-hmm. then it will be a celebration. And that's the way he designed it. And, that, and that's a very thinly veiled sort of uh, you know, thing for uh, you know, living under occupation and then the freedom. Um, and he was absolutely right. It's the pinnacle of his career. And nobody else in the movie, including him, ever hit such heights again. Um, but it doesn't matter because, you know, even Truffaut, who slammed Carnet and, you know, and was digging the grave and asking him to jump in it, said, you know, I would trade all of my 23 films if uh, to make uh, one movie like uh, Children of Paradise. So that that was where he was going. His other poetic realist realism movies are great. The, the, my favorite two are Port of Shadows, which was 1938, also starring Jean Gabon, and uh, um, the one we're going to talk about, which is Daybreak. Should I? Uh, yeah. Keep no. talking? Well, tell us about the girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get, to, get to the girl. Get to the girl. Uh, 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 so um, I'll tell you briefly what the setup is. The, the movie opens with a guy uh, stumbling out of an apartment door. He's shot in the stomach and he falls down the stairs and he's dead and he's discovered by a blind man. Um, and then, of course, that brings the police uh, and they go up to the uh, apartment and they knock on the door and uh, Jean Gabon shoots through the door and he says, leave me alone. I just want to be left alone. Get the hell out of here. 
So this movie then goes back and forth between our hero, who's trapped in an apartment, surrounded by the cops downstairs and the crowd of people in the town, um, uh, to his memories of uh, the circumstances that got him here. Okay, so, you know, this is a classic setup. This is the first, you know, movies like Payphone or Man on a Ledge. They all are uh, part of uh, this, this wonderful uh, genre that was written by Carnet and, uh, and Provere, um, whose girlfriend was, oh gosh, if I wrote down her name, let's see, his girlfriend oh, was... Oh, was. No, I don't know oh, no, it was... Because uh, they're both named Francois. Right, right, they're both, yeah, Jacqueline Laurent. And this was um, Prevert's uh, girlfriend. They met in the cafe, the, the famous uh, oh. cafe, and uh, about three years before they had a, a stormy four-year romance. This so this movie in '39 would have been toward the end of their uh, romance, but uh, yeah, I mean, essentially the writer cast his girlfriend as the uh, as the girl. There's two girls. It doesn't happen much. I was going to say that's not a thing that happens in America. <laughs> Yet another reason the French are better. Uh, she's. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous, uh, you know. She's beautiful. She's a wonderful actor. She actually looks a lot like Vera Clouseau, mm -hmm. um, and who uh, for a second I thought it was uh, Vera Clouseau, uh, Clouseau's uh, wife, who was also in um, you know a bunch of Clouseau films, uh, including Diabolique and uh, Wages of Fear. Um, this chick is uh, you look uh, you know wonderful. I don't think I, I wrote down anything more about. Uh, about her um but you know okay so carnet plays a uh i'm sorry uh gabon he plays a uh um uh, worker regular where he was the guy the guy is uh he wears a sandblasting out you know outfit we meet him at the uh you know, he's blasting pieces of metal with these big sand guns, and he's got this giant leather sort of, uh, you know, thing on. Like, he looks like a diving bell helmet, you know, with the tiny slits for the eyes and it's the, air, effort, the yeah. air hose. It's just gorgeous. Like, so, it's almost like a, something out of science fiction. He's, he's, he's on an assembly line of other guys. Blasting in this in the background, this gorgeous girl dressed all in white, carrying flowers, walks through and stops, and he looks around and he's like, "Okay, who the hell is that?" Takes off his stuff, and and they learn, they meet. You know, it's the cute French meet cute uh, scene where she's trying to deliver flowers, and her name is uh, Francois, and his name is Francois, and they were both orphans. So they cut to three weeks later, and they're having this uh, nice dalliance. You know, they're they're at her place, and he's making the moves on her in a wonderfully French way. It's very sexy and cute and charming, and and uh, and and she's being kind of coy and and not quite. He realizes that he's not quite going to get any tonight. You know, and so he takes her teddy bear. He's like, well, if I'm not getting any. Tonight, then I'm gonna take, take your this teddy bear. <laughs> you know, the way men do. <laughs> the way men do. You know, I'm gonna keep this with me for a while until you change your mind. <laughs> oh, um, and then his wonderful. Uh, you know, he's like, yeah, something's up here. So he follows her 
you know, and she's like, I can't, I got to meet somebody. Like, okay. He hangs around outside and she leaves and he walks behind her and he follows her into a cafe where there were, what do they call them? Dance halls or show halls where there's a little theater going on and they've got, you know, people on bicycles and, you know, the tr- little troop of um, a- acrobats. And, and then this guy comes out on stage, um, who's a, a dog trainer. And he's doing these tricks with these pooches. And this he's got a beautiful assistant. And the beautiful assistant, you know, basically says, fuck you in the middle of the uh, show and walks off stage and walks to the back where she meets uh, Gabon. And they strike up a little conversation. And, he, and she basically says, that guy, you know, could charm the pants, uh, you know, off a house plant. The guy is a Lothario. He, you know, he's, uh, he says, he's got the, the words come tripping off his tongue when he, when he talks, you know, about the Riviera, you, you can feel the water up to your neck. He's, he says, and, and so we start this um, sort of three-way love triangle uh, between uh, the dog. Four-way. Four right? uh, four, yeah, in a, in, in a way. Uh, but the, it really comes down to, yes, uh, so Gabon starts, you know, as the French do, and they all start fucking each other. Um, but he's really in love with the flower girl, and this guy is making the moves on the flower girl in a way that uh, the flower girl is, uh, you know, caught in 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 his uh, in his web. So it becomes about it becomes about the dog trainer, and the sandblaster, and the flower girl, and sort of and who's gonna and 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 so really the movie is about crimes of the heart, you know. And yes, there's a murder in the movie. Yes, he's surrounded by the cops and won't give himself up. But the murder, the the, the 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 way we play with each other's hearts, you know, and the the, way, the damage that does, and the fragility of um, romantic relationships, uh, and the and the and the real crime, you know, of of abusing that or playing with that you know and but i loved uh, the guy who plays his name is valent the dog trainer's name is valentine uh and he's played by jules berry and the way the this it's just i mean jules berry i think is probably one of the best actors uh, um of his generation the guy is phenomenal uh, he's amazing at this yeah he's so yeah, he's very well trained stage actor but but he's also likable you know you like you just like to watch him move he, the way he smiles and the way he moves his hands and the and the way he says you know i am i'm a i'm a fucking creep i don't have any morals <laughs> I, I don't have but i'm free I, you I know i just say what i want and i think of it i have an idea and i try it i do it you know and there's a freedom in there and you could see you could almost see why uh women are attracted to that you know because he's not beholden to anything so he's the antithesis of all the other characters that we've been talking about who literally live and die by the code and what they say and their word is their bond and the bonds that we establish between each other are everything that we have, which is what La Samurai uh, says, you know, without this, we die. Um, and, and this guy 
is uh, cut all the cords and but he and 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 thinks that he is uh, free, you know, and that this gives him a wonderful power and freedom. Sure, he's a dog trainer and he travels from town to town and he doesn't have much money, but he's free, uh, and he's free of all the um, complicated, messy stuff of the heart, you know. So he toys with females and he toys with men. He lies to Gabon and tells. Him that, story. that yeah. <laughs> this insane story that he is her dad, her, her long lost dad. He's like, well, but she's an orphan like me. It's like, no, yes, of course. But I went, I looked everywhere. It took me years, and Don't I found her. <laughs> so, what do you, what do you, what do you want to say about this? this yeah, uh, no, I, I had not seen it before, and uh, uh, I, I was, um, you know, it sets you up. I think it's in the very beginning. You see the teddy bear, mm-hmm. and you know that he's killed this guy, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, Nancy and I both had the same impression. Oh, somebody killed his child. That guy killed his child. That's oh, interesting. What be about. No. And you're prepared, I think, for something more obvious. Right. And when you slowly start to realize it is just about just, right. it's about love. It's about romantic love. Right, right, right. Soured and destroyed right. and, and assaulted. That's right. Instead of the more kind of obvious. Yeah. Um, not that there's anything wrong with killing the guy who killed your child. But, sure. But that's a much more kind of blatant thing. Or some some other kind of con that yeah. Valentine was pulling, you know. Yeah, there's and these it's just clues. this man is destroyed by, by his love for this there's woman. There's these there. clues like, you know, the, this woman gives Gabon, he, she takes off this wonderful brooch, uh, brooch and she and, and gives it gives it to him and she says i've had this my whole life it was my mother's you carry it and then and then we come to find you know the other woman who's the dog trainer's assistant uh who's played by arletti who was also a wonderful uh actress and a big star in her own right said you know she says oh you mean this and pulls out of her suitcase the same brooch and then 10 more of them (laughs) he's like you know this this guy gives one to every every all of his conquests you know and you're thinking you know that oh this is going to be the beginning of some elaborate sort of um, scheme or con that Valentine is pulling, you know. But no, it's just uh, he's he just likes toying toying with people's hearts and destroying, yeah. destroying them almost yeah, by accident. No, and, it's, it's, you know? um, uh, and he's so good. He's so there's something to it. He's sitting in the hotel room, and the cops are outside, and they're just shooting the fuck out of the place. And he's just sitting there. This is a man who's given up. He's not going to give up to the cops. But he's just sitting there as bullets are flying around the hotel room, just smoking his cigarette, waiting for the shooting to end. You get the sense that if it ends with his death, he's okay with that, too. Yeah, yeah. And in his own way, you know, he's cut the cords and he's had to be free just to... uh, I want to ask, though, because you're... you're, um, uh, It's funny, and I'm, I'm... Guessing, because I feel like we're a lot of uh, on the same wavelength with this stuff, but maybe I don't know the answer. But um, you're not talking about uh, the one everyone goes to um, of this. And wanna, uh, no, 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 no. Rafifi, we discussed it, for, but but no mention of Breathless and Godard. Is that uh, well, no, a safe that, place that, here? Yeah, that's, a hard, <laughs> that's, not, that's, that's not really one of these movies. Well, okay, good. I, I'm, and a, and, and it's only incidentally a crime movie. Right. And, and the beginning of a whole other, uh, you know, um, if you talk about Breathless, then you're bringing in this whole other, uh, you know, movement in uh, film. And uh, The only rule about Breathless is you don't talk about Breathless. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's I'm great. happy not to, to take a look at it, but I'm, I'm always, I always feel like... Uh, 
But Belmondo's a movie that made him a giant star, and yes, he plays a hoodlum in the film. Um, but no, it's just these, and I don't know when it all well, is unconscious, I'm, you know. But, uh, but, but I think, the, I think that the, movie somehow, to, to people who aren't fans of the stuff who are still coming in, there's something about that that kind of, you know, everything else gets lost in the shadow of that. And mm. if you have seen Breathless and and have gone, eh, not for me. These these films are not like that. Right, right, right. Um, well, I'm not. Have, have I said that? I'm always talking about stuff that I'm not a... <laughs> A fan of. I'm not. No. I'm not a fan of Breathless. No, I'm not a big fan of Breathless either. But it's a very important movie. I yeah, mean, it oh, did a lot. Sure. Of, it did a lot yeah. of stuff for the first yeah. time. Yeah, and, and I think that all these movies, and uh, and uh, we're talking about Daybreak right now, which which it was highly influential to all these other films with its, um, you know, it predates uh, film noir. Uh, noir. The noir lighting scheme was obviously borrowed from the impressionistic uh, stuff that Carnet was riffing on. Uh, you know, and so these movies, especially uh, this one, you know, um, with its use of flashbacks, you know, an American noir is so flashback, you know, uh, and and the template of a doomed, decent man who's uh, trapped in a claustrophobic situation. Uh, this was the grandfather, you know, of, of all that stuff. You know, it predates it by, you know, like 10 years almost. So... Five or ten years, and um, directors like Jean-Pierre Melville and Dassin and Jacques Becker were all influenced, uh, you know, by by this. Uh, this, I mean, in, in the stylistically, inf the influences are everywhere for this Carnet film, even though it's a poetic, realistic film and only a crime film. Uh, ostensibly, no, it's true. I had that. You're right because it does. I'm like, well, what is the what is the uh uh, I should know this. This is terrible. Like, what's the Rocket 88 of film noir? Like, the, the <laughs> you know, the ground zero, the first. Well, the, the, Billy they, Wilder. they vary. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean they, obviously, they Double Demon yeah. is much after, much later than this. Well, but. and there's a movie called Stranger on the Third Floor. Right. Okay, uh, yeah. Which is a B picture at RKO, which has a, an extremely um, long dream sequence in it, a flashback dream sequence about a trial. Which is done incredibly expressionistically with lots of sh it's really cool, uh, lots of shadows and stuff. Yeah, they say that that sort and, of and that, and that that is often pointed to as because the fra the phrase film noir didn't exist until the fifties. No, until yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know when you get into the phantom ladies kind of pictures and right. you know the big clock and all these all these. Well, what year is Stranger? Stranger was nineteen forty. Forty. So yeah. So, so this really does because this was the shocking thing. I had somehow misread something and. We're watching the film, and it gets to the end, and and I look something up, and I I I, I had been thinking this was ten years more. I thought it was like nineteen forty nine, mm. and then to realize it's thirty nine yeah. was was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and, and that whole poetic realism. Which, yeah, you know, because when you're watching it, thinking it comes after all these other films, it's, right, right, right. Come, but then when you realize you're watching a movie that's doing all this stuff before, he's the grand, he's the grandfather, you know. Carnet, you know, yeah. guys. He started out as a journalist. He was. He wrote some articles in the twenties about film, and that's what got him interested. And then he bought some film. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of French journalists became filmmakers. Yeah, mm -hmm. I believe there's. Uh, I think Kino is coming out with that soon on Blu-ray. Is my understanding, um, which would be great. It's worth. It's worth tracking down. But um, Thomas. Oh, thank that was you. great! Yeah, thanks a lot. Wow, uh, I mean, really, thank you for coming in. That was uh, 
the dream scenario. Not not that we haven't had a ton of great guests, but I've I, the enthusiasm. Mm. And did um, I do okay? I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you actually may have convinced some people to track down these movies, yeah. which, is, which, yeah. is the, which is all you can hope for from a show yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah. I'm only like I, from time to time. I, I for talking to somebody about being on the show, I'll send them a link to one to, uh, and I'm, I'm sitting here going like. I almost, I'm going like, on the one hand, this is the perfect one. On the other hand, like, I don't want them to hear it. And they go, I got to do all that work. <laughs> and they're French. But, and they're French. <laughs> they're not even in English. <laughs> but no, no it's, thank it's, you it's so great. much. We, was, we love to have people on who love movies. And obviously uh, you love yeah, movies. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it was fun to do, do the, you know, look, look into this stuff a little bit. You know, and it was great. A learning experience. I got me. a recommendation for you. It's a yeah. picture you probably never heard of called Hail Mafia. Nope. Directed by Raoul Levy, uh, shot by Raoul Coutard, and it's a uh, it's a hitman movie, and it stars Eddie Constantine, uh, Henry Silva, Henry Silva, Elsa Martinelli, and Jack Klugman. <laughs> cool. And it's and it's a, it's a it's black and white. Hail mafia. Kind of grainy. Lots of mud. Lots what, of rain. Fifties or sixty-six. Uh, 60s. Okay. Cool. I think you can only get it from Sinister Cinema. Wow. I think that's the only people who have it. Have you seen uh, Blast of Silence? I love oh, yeah. Blast, Blast of Silence. Of Silence I saw great. Blast of Silence when it was new. No. That's how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I, I, have, I have all all of the movies made by that director, which amounts oh, really? to five yeah, or three, the, uh, maybe that, four, that, that, whatever. That's the only one... Uh, uh, no, he did another one called uh, Terror in the City. Oh, cool. Uh, with is that Lee, worth checking with down? Lee Grant. Yeah, you never find it. Right. Alan Barron is his name. He became a TV director eventually. Oh my God. But uh, Blast of Silence is, is a very cool movie. Yeah, yeah. when I discovered that, I thought I was uh, reaching and it's, and it's a very late. It's the, a very late noir because yeah, it's 61. Late 60, oh, yeah. early 60s. I yeah. thought it was... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and it's, but the Lionel Stander uh, uh, narration is... Uh, mm. It's uh, Baby Boy Frankie Fane. <laughs> it's really it's a, one of those great movies. Yeah. Opening shot of, of the tunnel takes coming place, out of it the It all takes tunnel. place in Christmas, yeah. and here and the, the the director is the lead in the picture because right. he, couldn't, he couldn't afford anybody else. <laughs> yeah, but so well done for that. And it's got know, a great it's nothing. got a great part for the first time I ever saw an actor named Larry Tucker, who is a very big rotund guy with a beard, <laughs> right. who is great in Shock Corridor. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's the the the, the, uh, the, Fuller, the crazy guy in Shot Corridor, uh, but he's he's this is the first time I ever saw him, and he later became wow. a writing partner of Paul Mazursky. Wow! And uh, I was involved with uh, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. And wow. In fact, he's in the big ensemble at the end of the picture. But he's a really good. He was in Advising Consent too. But he was a really wow. good actor. He had this really naturalistic quality. Wow. Yeah, he he's. Uh, I remember him in that, and uh, we're gonna rewatch Shot Quarter now. And no, see I, I can never see Shot Quarter yeah. too often. Yeah, it's, it's very, just uh, too great. Uh, but I love this. You know, it's it's because I mean there weren't podcasts at the time, but but just there's that community of of freaks like us because I uh, you know I think I first saw a Blast of Silence on a shitty dubbed bootleg VHS. Yeah, you know, friend going, yeah. oh, you got to see this film. Yeah, and then cut to years later, you know, I'm in I'm in France and I'm. And I found a French DVD of it, which was really exciting. And now there's a criterion. A criterion. I know. Yeah, Who I would mean, have ever like, thought? Eventually, yeah, just from people making noise like yeah. we've been doing here. That's so. what it's great for. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. sad they shut down uh, Filmstruck. Well, the, uh, Criterion Channel is criterion apparently starts, starts right. next week. Right. Uh, well, not next week if you're listening to this. It's probably already started. started. last month. Already started. <laughs> uh, but it. it's, uh, it's, they're trying to do what Filmstruck did so well. 
right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, and I'm 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 looking forward to it. I'm hoping they made so many movies available for people who just didn't know where to find them. Yeah, you and know? that that is the plus side of you know this this new age that we are. Yeah. Living in, yep. you know, you, uh, you get to have the movies and see them in a tiny uh, little screen uh, right. and not see them with a big audience. But right. uh, the alternative is you don't see them at all. And then so, just getting people out, you know, even when they have the, uh, you know. Well, I mean, there's a noir festival that uh, going on by, right now, by right now. this time yeah. will be over, over yeah. Uh, yeah. at the Egyptian, which right. they have right. with have great which people. Uh, yeah, uh, and that, that attracts. And uh, those guys, I've, those I've guys are really, Eddie Mahler and Alan yeah. Road, they really love that stuff and they do a great job. And it's a touring show. It doesn't just. It, it doesn't just go it's in LA right yeah. now right. as we do this but then it goes elsewhere it goes yeah. to San Francisco yeah. it goes to different different cities yeah I'm friends with uh, Eddie yeah Eddie's great yeah he really Eddie is loves, his, love, loves his work I, love, I know and I'm very happy for him on uh, doing the uh, TCM stuff now I think that's just uh, yeah. really great no it's great you know I mean so, there yeah. are people out there who love this stuff and they've and uh, and they've managed to channel it is a niche, but it, mm. it is because the, many of the people in the audience are dying off. <laughs> but mm. uh, but they are getting younger people interested. Uh, there's always younger people. Yeah, there are a lot of younger people That's interested. True. And, yeah, and yeah, noir yeah. is a great way for young people to get into black and white. Yeah, yeah. And once you get in, I mean, Jesus, no, it's, it's, it's yeah. so rich. I mean, there's just, just so many pictures, and it's so much. And there's so it's movies that were completely ignored when they were new. All those right. Richard Fleischer pictures for mm-hmm. RKO. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, uh, the narrow margin movies. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if, that yeah. picture was on that Charles picture, McGraw. That, that yeah, picture was one of my on the guys. shelf. That picture was on the shelf for almost three years. Right. It because was, because uh, when, when Howard Hughes owned it, and he said he he thought this picture is really good. I should remake it. Yeah, he stars. Right. And so he didn't release it. And then he re, he like <laughs> recut, he reshot. They kept reshooting kept shit re, too. Well, he was re, the, uh, his gr- yeah, uh, yeah. his kind of woman. Uh, he reshot. Oh, the, yeah. He reshot yeah. the picture for a year. Vincent Price said it was the best job he ever had. He was on a movie for an entire year. <laughs> Our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank. The official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.